Hello, and welcome to Adventures with ADHD Season 2, where we spend an hour or so, probably less, don't worry, don't run away, um, shining the spotlight on neurodivergent folk, finding out their stories and what works for them. Today, I'm so happy to introduce you to Kate Lane-Toner. Kate, thanks for being here today. It's such a pleasure. I'm really quite excited to be here. Thank you. Good. Thank you. So what we'll do, Kate, we're just going to have a chat, okay, and um, find out more about you and your journey to discovery, okay? So, Kate, where are you from and what do you do? Well, to cut a long story short, I'm originally American and I've been in the UK for 21 years and I currently live just outside of Bristol in North Somerset and I I always say I do all autism all the time. So my, I'm autistic, my daughter's autistic, I work in autism. So um, in 2012, I started a brilliant charity called Bristol Autism Support that provides support for parents who've got autistic children. And off of that, I um, started doing training, autism training, corporate training, and then also parent support training. I've uh, written a book for Jessica Kingsley Publishing, which is autism specialist publisher. Uh, that's coming out next year. So it's so all, as I say, all autism all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's so, so it's sort of like never, never, never ceasing autism stream in my life. <laughs> yeah. So you're kind of living it, breathing it day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah. For better or for worse. Yeah. That's, that's my life. Great. What's the book called? What should we look out for next year? The book is called Where Do I Start? And there's a second part to it of something like a guide to um, the autism, the, the emotional journey of autism for parents and care. Long title, actually. Where Do I Start is what to look for. And that's coming out in sort of May, June of 2023. And that is, it's the guide I wish I had when my daughter was tiny and I was concerned that she was autistic. It's really kind of everything you need to know right now, sort of on the emotional side of, of raising an autistic child. Uh, without going too much into it, essentially, parents of autistic children, they don't come into the autism world as enlightened beings, understanding disability and not being ableist and and, and understanding what, what it means to have an autistic child. So this book is kind of like the fast track of getting from being, well, quite frankly, scared as parents of autistic children or concerned their child's autistic are to, to being confident and not worrying about it and understanding that there are many gifts to autism as well. Yeah, which we'll, uh, we'll talk about some of that today, some of the gifts. So th that book sounds amazing and how Thank you. how lovely to have that. And you said that people don't just know, do they? Parents don't just they know. They don't know. They don't know. And it's quite hard because there's a lot of, um, of, of negative talk in the adult autistic community about not saying parents are scared and not saying, oh, are you worried your child is autistic? But parents are worried. That's what they are. <laughs> they don't. They don't come in and say, "Oh, autism. That sounds great." But because society says autism is bad, autism is negative, autism is scary, autism is terrible, and autism is all these terrible things. And even though awareness has shifted massively in the last ten years, and now we've got loads of television shows with autistic characters and films and books, and autism is more around us there's still that negativity. There's still that if there's a shooting in a school, oh, the boy was autistic, you know, and that's like the headline, autistic boy kills 12 people or whatever. You know, there's, it's, it's that negativity that society presents us with all the time and we don't even realise it until 
autism comes into our lives and we think, oh, it's really bad. This is a really bad thing. I'm going to be really scared. Do you know what I mean? So a guide that helps people see that it's not all that. Sometimes it's, you know, that what, what I say is that autism isn't scary. It's the things around autism that are scary, lack of support and inability to get help for your child. Those things are difficult. Autism itself is just a condition. It's like any condition. It's just a condition. It's not to be is not to be feared it's something to be to be worked through yeah right brilliant i can't wait to see it so um tell me a bit about your journey to kind of discovering that you're neurodivergent yeah well when my daughter so my daughter was diagnosed 10 years ago um so my journey kind of really started then i started to realize i mean that was when she was two and i started realizing she was probably about 15 months old that she was was on autistic there's just a lot of traits there she's she's quite um she has very high support needs uh she's got a lot going on my daughter uh so so we realized really early on that she was autistic and we went through uh the diagnosis process with her and then very shortly after that so that was 2012 very shortly after that sort of like 2013 2014 i came across a, a brilliant um article it's still out and about uh this lady called samantha craft and she did a a list, she says it's a list, but it's actually a, series, a set of lists in one sort of blog post about um, traits of Asperger women. Obviously, we don't use the term Asperger's anymore, but this was many years ago when we did. Yeah, and I read this post and I felt like this, it, it was like a sort of like hairs on the back of your neck going up kind of moment. I felt like this person was looking into my life and writing about me. It was so so weirdly spot on and so um detailed and and like all these different traits that she talked about and it's just all obvious things like really being a bit of a loner being socially awkward um being kind of in your own world sort of stuff i mean it's a very long post but um and that was like really um really life-shaking for me it really made me made me think it made me realize and i thought wow that that is me. And I could look back on my life and see how that had impacted my whole life, you know. And and so I I went for an assessment. And to be honest, um, I, I didn't get a diagnosis. <laughs> I always say um, I didn't get a diagnosis because I masked the entire time I was there. It was a new situation for me. I didn't know how to act. So I just pretended, um, you know, to be sociable. Well, I am sociable, but in the, in the context of the assessment, I didn't go in like, acting autistic if you see what I mean like oh miserable not that that's autistic but I didn't go in with a clear sign to those people who were assessing me that this is an autistic person so I went in at the time I just started to not, not too far off started my charity so I felt well I'm in the autism field and you're in the autism field you assessors let's let's talk about autism I was like really excited to meet these yeah. people just kind of weird looking back but I you know it just sort no. of like chatted my way through the assessment and they said uh no you're too sociable and too self-aware to be oh. autistic I, I, it's ridiculous isn't it it really is and it's, you know it, <laughs> autistic people are some of the most self-aware people i know well painfully self-aware yeah so it just shows i mean i had a similar experience when i went for my autism assessment um yeah over, over 10 years ago and um you do kind of go in with that trust and thinking yep yeah, we're all on the same page here but oh my that's god that's exactly what it was yeah, yeah. looking because at i thought 
I'm so artistic. They'll just see that, you know, and, and I don't know if it's ironic or what the word would be, but it was the, the women, were, the assessors were women as well, <laughs> two, two women assessors. And the thing that upset me as well is that about a month before that, I'd been in a very poor mental health place. I had um, left a job that was really bad for me. I was in a really bad place. And I really feel that if I had my assessment then, I'd have gotten a diagnosis because they could have said, oh, this is how autism is impacting on this person's life. She's depressed or she's anxious or whatever. Uh, whereas when I went, I was in a much better place. I'd left that job, life was turning around and I, and I was in a happy place. So I couldn't possibly be happy and autistic, which is just really sad. And it had a, a major impact on me because I felt like I couldn't then go around saying I'm autistic because I didn't have that sort of like certificate. <laughs> I didn't have the sort of rubber stamp of you are you are an autistic person and I felt really uncomfortable about it and what I also found was when I talked to people about it because I'm a very capable person I I do loads of things all the time I'm really busy all the time I'm really prolific producer of all stuff you know writing and training and all kinds of things people just didn't believe me they just didn't believe that I was autistic to this day people don't believe I'm autistic I think some people think I'm just saying it I don't know why I would just say that but um they don't believe that and and they didn't believe it then however although they didn't believe me they did start to treat me differently and they did start to treat me like perhaps I couldn't really do the job that I'd been doing for a few years in the charity and that was a really difficult time it was about two years where I felt like a fraud really I was constantly questioning myself am I these professionals say I'm not autistic maybe I'm not maybe I'm just maybe I was just having a bad day or you know maybe I maybe well, I don't know maybe that was just part of my life or but then the more I you know I knew in myself you know in yourself you know in your soul when you know divergent you know there's something that's not quite right um and I realized that in sort of looking on Twitter and other things realized that in the adult autism community self-diagnosis is a thing and that was like a gift really from from me from the universe that I could say I am autistic I and I proudly identify as autistic and and I sort of drew a line in the sand under it like that's it yeah. I'm autistic I'm not gonna worry about whether I've got a diagnosis and I've never looked back since and so I've been very proudly proudly out <laughs> as autistic for sort of eight years or so now yeah, since whenever that was, and I sort of came to that realisation. And then um, about six years ago, I uh, went for my ADHD assessment, which was interestingly far more straightforward, far more clear cut, went in, had that, was done, got the, got the diagnosis. And it was interesting. It's interesting being a person with both of those things. I was thinking that this morning when I was making sure I had the Zoom link for this, uh, this um, um, podcast and knowing like you know checking my time and making sure and I thought it's like sometimes the autistic side of me which is really punctual and organized really battles with the ADHD side of me which is more chaotic more all over the place you know more kind of like doing 12 things at once which is quite funny really but um I think knowing I had ADHD that was a huge benefit to me but then then life really did make sense uh, you know knowing knowing both of those things knowing I'm autistic knowing I have ADHD those things just put all my life into into focus and and 
didn't make everything better, but made things clear and helped me find strategies to live, really, you know, and, yeah. and be successful. Fantastic. And it's so, it is life-changing, isn't it? Knowing yourself, understanding yourself, and having been through, you know, difficult times with mental health and coming out the other side. I mean, and real looking through life um, through a different lens. And uh, I don't yeah, know about you, but... Yeah. I'm so much more compassionate with myself so that I know I have limitations and I can't just be like everyone else. You know, I'm still coming yeah, to terms yeah. with that, but amazing. And when you say about autism and ADHD, do you find they can kind of cover each other up as well? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, because I think on the autism side, I've got masking. I'm a champion masker. I always have been my whole life. I've always chameleoned my way into, you know, all sorts of awful relationships and good relationships as well and jobs and friendships. And and I think, I think because I'm that sort of champion masker, that's why people don't see, yeah. see they don't see my neurodivergence as a whole because they're, because I am like that, it's really cliche now, but I am like that that duck that's gliding along the surface and their feet are paddling, you know, like mad underneath. That's what, what I'm like. But most most people will never see that. They only see the gliding serenely yeah. thing. And I think that the gliding serenely is the autism and the paddling madly is the ADHD. So that they kind of like go together in a way. But yeah, I suppose it is the case that they 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 hide each other in a way. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. Like I say, the autism side is far more organised and punctual and gets things done, you know, and, and has a precise sort of way, kind of, you know, almost too perfectionistic at times. And the ADHD side is like, let's do it now. Let's go, let's go. Oh, I've got this idea. Let's buy this thing. Let's go on this course. Let's yeah. <laughs> and that's all in like three minutes, you know, let's, let's do all this stuff, you know. Yeah. It's um sometimes I just think about, yeah, you've got those two sides and when you can kind of channel them, and manage them that's yeah. when you get the sweet spot i find it's like that's yes so i can right. be, be so organized true. yeah can be organized can be spontaneous and kind of merging those two things together is, is where the magic happens i think i completely agree and i think also and i think it's quite important for you know, divergent people in general to understand that and understand that if it's possible to be self-employed, that is where the magic happens. Because I know for myself, I could never work in an office for a person again. I just do not operate like that at all. It's been a disaster every single time. And for me to be able to do what I need to do, I can, you know, I can work in a very hyper-focused way for sort of 10 hours solid on one thing. And then the next day I might be brain dead and I think oh, I'm going to sit on the sofa and not and read a book you know I'm not going to do anything today and I had this last Thursday where I'd had I woke up with all these plans my partner lives in Cheltenham and I had got up on Thursday morning to come back um and I had all these plans in the car and thinking I'm going to do this and then I got home it was an hour drive and I got home and I sat down and I, I was nothing was happening <laughs> it was yeah. nothing nothing in there at all and I thought oh well that's what's going to happen today I'm not going to do these things so it's nothing nothing there was nothing deadline driven that I had to do um you know and I and so I did just read a book or sometimes those days is when I listen to like business podcasts or I watch like business training or you know I, I, I don't have to actively do anything I just need to like absorb you know and those are great days for that but I couldn't do that if I wasn't self-employed I couldn't 
I couldn't do that if I had to go, oh, I can't even imagine having to go be a certain place a certain time yeah. you know, for work anyway, um, every single day and having to oh, manage all that stuff. It's too hard. And be checked in on what you're doing every minute of the yeah. day. Yeah. Like, what are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you going to lunch with us? That all that sort of stuff that you find in prop, prop jobs, <laughs> you know, that's really hard. Yeah, yeah. So it's such a a good route if people have a a spark of um, what they want to do, and that's why I'm always saying yeah. to people, find out what you love and what lights you up, and then. Yeah, but absolutely. for you, there's there's no point going into an office each day, you know. If it's doing you in sen sensory wise, um, expectation wise. Yeah. I don't wise. even think I could go and do what I love. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, 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 that's fine. I, I don't think I could even go into an office and do what I love because I, I realized through through my work with the charity, I started doing training and then I, I lit up. That was what lights me up. That is what lights me up training and, and, and speaking and writing, particularly training. I do really love it. I never would have known that if autism wasn't in my life I would never have found that journey I don't think I ever would have found that but I I think if I had if I was hired as a nine-to-five job to do training I think I would hate it <laughs> it has to be on my terms it has to be on my schedule it has to be in the way I I need to work you know I don't think I could go into a, a nine-to-five job doing that I wouldn't love it anymore it would probably kill me you know not kill yeah. me it would kill off that love really yeah yeah, because there's so much flexibility and freedom. And like you say, if you if you completely got no energy, then you kind of relax and you couldn't do that in a in an yeah, office. Exactly. I used to <laughs> go to work and think, I just need a, a fifteen minute sleep. Where can I go and have a sleep? You know, and it's like, oh, yeah. Now yeah, I just overwhelming. Nick upstairs for a, a yoga nidra or something, you know, or meditation. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Or, but yeah, so masking is a huge issue, isn't it? And I think this is, well, it's obviously why some of us um, go through an assessment and the psychologist's like, oh no, too sociable, making eye contact, you know, those oh, old yeah, myths, yeah, yeah. those cliches, they're still around, aren't they? Which yeah, is, I guess, yeah, why we're really doing are. what we do and we go out and train and say, look, this yeah, and we talk really, about it exactly. It's really important that we that there are people like us that are doing that and talking to the people who don't understand, you know, because you don't understand unless it's in your life. To be fair, yeah, yeah, and I guess I have to be a bit more understanding of others. I guess, <laughs> but um, so what what is the impact of masking? Do you think for neurodiversity? No, it's, it's really hard, and masking is like really hot topic at the moment. Don't you notice? It's really everyone's talking about masking and a few new books have come out in the last year about masking and autism and and the thing about masking is yes it can be really detrimental it can be completely exhausting I mean I know like I mentioned earlier um, I've fallen into relationships that or I, I I didn't really want to be in that relationship but I wanted to be in a relationship and this was much younger, like 30 years ago and I'm early twenties, teens, etc. But um, I would fall into a relationship and then I would just become that person. I would take up all their hobbies, eat the food they like to eat. I didn't know that wasn't what you did. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that's what everybody did. You know, I didn't know people didn't do that. 
I thought that was a totally normal thing to do until I realised I was autistic. So I did that lots of times and that's had lots of marriages and lots of divorces. And I did that in, in jobs as well, where I would go into the job interview. I saw job interviews. It's like a wonderful game. I love job interviews. It's interesting, like you, your comedy improv stuff. I would go into the job interview, completely become what they their dream employee, yes. so I could read them and I would become what their dream employee was. And I would obviously get the job, but then I couldn't do the job because yeah. <laughs> I was just I was just acting. You know, yeah. that, oh, it's really kind of cringe making now, but looking back on it, you know that was awful. So those are the sort of downsides of masking. Also, masking particularly with children is totally exhausting. If you have a child who's going into school and they're just being good, quote unquote, being good all day, and not um, not addressing their own sensory needs, not um, looking after themselves, not asking for breaks, you know, letting people jostle them around and dealing with the sensory overload and all those things, then that that is very very detrimental. Then you have a child who will come out of school, they've held it together all day, and they'll come out of school and they have what's called the coke bottle effect, and they will explode, you know, either verbally or physically or both, you know, to the parent who's collected them or when they come home or whatever. Um, but I think this idea that, well, we all have to unmask, we have to unmask, we all have to um, not mask at all. I don't think that's the way forward. I think you have to harness masking, you know, and, and, and to be honest, I'm 51 years old. I've masked so long. I don't always know when I'm doing it, to be honest. So it's, so it's just a natural, um, it's a natural, I suppose survival strategy, defense mechanism, whatever you want to call it, um, that that helps me to be honest. And the downside of masking for me now as an adult is that's why people don't think I'm autistic and <laughs> don't believe I'm autistic because I'm, you know, when, on a professional level, I'm just masking quite a lot of the time. Yeah, you know, if I'm training, I'm masking. That's definitely, you know, even though that's part of me, I'm still on and I'm still being really friendly. I'm not, I'm not friendly, but you know, friendly to a group of total strangers I've never met before, which wouldn't be normally my cup of tea at all. Um, what am I trying to say? I guess I'm trying to say that there are positives and negatives of masking. And I think the idea of doing it away, doing away with it altogether. I mean, to be fair, everyone masks, whether they're autistic or not, everyone will put on a brave face to go into a meeting with their boss or will go to a party they're unsure about. I mean, everyone does that kind of stuff. So that in that context, you can see that there are positive things. I say masking can be quite a, a fake it till you make it thing. And, and that's not bad. You know, that's, that can be quite a useful thing. What do you think about masking? How do you find it manifest in your life? Yeah, so I'm over the last 10 years since my diagnosis, I've just slowly, slowly started to find out who I truly am. I was a bit of a chameleon yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. I just remember working for this lovely organisation because I had quite a bit of hyperactivity when I was younger. It seems to have uh, <laughs> dwindled off. But um, so I'd be like, talking to everyone in the office really I was kind of trying to um just keep myself amused but I looked really like sociable and like like crazy social hi how are you and then when I look oh, back so I was like god that that really wasn't me I am friendly of course I am but yeah, not to yeah, that yeah. extent and I was just like yeah. putting on this act so now I'm if I'm not feeling great I don't feel I have to go and make small talk with everyone i'm like yeah. you know what i'm i'm a i know deep down i'm a good friendly caring person yeah i don't need yeah. to 
outwardly act like that to show you, you know, so I've really started to think about my needs. Um, yeah, really that's kind of what gets, I think you said about it earlier, you you don't really think about your needs, you just become whoever you need to be in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you know, sort of 40 years of my life kind of just zinging around from thing to thing, person to person, job to job, place to place. Um, you know, and and now I feel like I've finally stopped that crazy whatever game that was pinball game sort of thing, and and like you said, finding out who who am I, what do I like, and also there's no one in my life that I have to mask with at all, and and I and I really kind of push against quietly spending time with people who I would need to do that with, and. Um, and, and it's become kind of an active part of how I am, am in life, you know, from in situations where I just don't fit with these people I'm working with, I'm going to kind of move on from this customer, you know, I don't, this isn't working for me, you know, because a lot of training I do, I just, as you know, you just kind of go and you do it and you come out again. But if you've got someone you, you have to have an ongoing relationship with, it has to work. And if, and if it doesn't feel right for me, where in the past I would have said, oh, I've got to endure this. I'm just going to be nice and be be a, be, be a good girl, even though I'm a grown woman. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll do that. And I don't anymore. I'm very, like you say, I think that's really interesting that you said that because I'm feeling like that as well, that now is the time where I really have to pay attention to what I need. Because, yeah. um, you know, we are, we are people that give a lot to the world. You know, in your work and my work, very different. Some of it is different. But, you know, we do give a lot to the world and we have to... It sounds like I'm being really high and mighty. I don't mean it or arrogant, but you know we have to look after ourselves in order to do that kind of work. You know, it is it is full on to to talk to you know to do training. I know what you find, but I know if I do an hour training session, I can't do much the rest of the day. That wipes me out completely. I'm um, like full on full wattage. I always say it's like um it's like being electrified by the like the lights inside of a, a football stadium. It's that kind of like whoa, you know, power energy. And then you you then this boom session ends and you're like, oh, you know, yeah. can't do anything else. So I think that's really important part of of, of masking is knowing uh, knowing knowing when to well, I guess when to not do it. When when it when it's not serving you, you know, it's one thing masking just in a very light, masking light, L I T E, you know, where you're just kind of like getting through a conversation with someone but if you've got to do that if you're in a situation where you've got to do that day in day out that that's never going to work and that is not healthy no. at all yeah and then it leads to burnout and and poor mental health so um just oh, just so great to learn how to manage ourselves isn't it and yeah. and to yeah. have energy yeah i get i do a three hour i'm not doing it anymore but i do a three hour online training and yeah literally I don't have anything else in that day because I'm just like laying down, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, what was I going to say? Gifts. So what what gifts? Your world is autism. So what are some of the gifts yeah. you would associate with autism? Um, I think I think it's, you know, there's, there's this myth that we have no empathy, that autistic people have no empathy, which, which is, it, it is so false because what I feel certainly in myself and I see it in my daughter as well and, and my daughter and I our autism is totally different you know if it is a spectrum we are on opposite ends we are totally different in our autistic way but we both have tremendous empathy and I know for myself um if it it's not that I don't have empathy it's that if something happens 
it short circuits my brain and I have to like almost like put it in like a in internal bomb proof container and mm. put it in the back <laughs> somewhere and then I have to leave it there until I can cope with it until I can look at it but what often happens like if a friend's parent has died or something I'll buy a sympathy card and then I never send it because the cat like I can't like put those things together it's too big for me to think about that they're my friend is traumatically upset about their pet or their parent or something's happened in their lives and so I tend to look like I don't care at all when I actually am obsessing about how much I care you know I'm like yeah. hours and hours I've spent thinking about this parent with the pet or whatever whatever's happened so I think I think that empathy but there's a positive you know there's a positive which is, there's a lesser thing right I can really I suppose I wonder if it's different for women than men I understand that it is different but I'm 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 a woman so I don't know if it's different but I think women we do more studying of other people because I think when we're young whether our parents taught us this or not society tells us we need to be nice never make fuss smile all the time be good we, we, we need to be that way. So in order to be successful in that, when we're, when we're children, certainly, well, at any age, but mostly, essentially, especially, I mean, when we're children, we have to study the other people. What are the other girls wearing? What are they doing? What smiles, what, what facial expressions are they, do they have? How do they, how are they acting? And, and the plus side of that is that over time, we can almost develop these, like, personas that type of person is that way that type of person is that way that type of person is that way but also that type of person needs this this type of person needs that like we just kind of I think we we end up with kind of a really deep intuitive sense about what other people are like now maybe not everyone has I don't think everyone every autistic person has this um and maybe it's unique to me I don't know <laughs> but, but I do think that some of us do end up with this very not only a deep empathy but a real understanding of what different kinds of people are like you know and what different kinds of people need I don't know if that made, made any sense at all but for yeah, me that yeah. that, yeah. that that really resonates with me as well I've, I feel like I've always studied people um and if we're looking at I, I don't like the term special interests but you know passions from an autistic yeah. sense I think one of my long-standing ones has been people and behavior working out intellectually why they act the way they do but also yeah, having yeah. that um that empathy as well like sensing people's energy and their mood so it's quite yeah. a lot to deal with so no, i get why you sometimes package it things away and put them no, in the back of your brain. Yeah. yeah yeah um i suppose it's it, that it's that word empathic some of us are also i don't know that i would say that i think in the past i might have said it about myself but some people would say they're they're empathic or they can read people's mood and read people's feelings and I think for myself it might be that that was just too much for me and I did do that when I was younger and I took on so much I was like a sponge absorbing everyone's um including my my parents as well absorbing everyone's energy and everyone's upset and whatever um and I, I don't I think I I am almost unconsciously consciously don't do that anymore because it's too much for me yeah. but I can understand people and I can understand and I can re read people really quickly. If I meet someone, I can really, really read like almost exactly like I can. It's almost like I, mean, I say sometimes when I see people, this is a really weird analogy, bear with me. I say sometimes we're like, you know, when you watch Terminator films, like I say, weird analogy. And the Terminator walks into a room and, and there's all this data scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. He's got yeah. all this like who's the 
room? What's in the room? Where's the window? Where's their food? You know, we're doing that all the time. We have all this data scrolling all the time. Yeah. And, and as I say, we're now determinated. But it is like that. You know, we're constantly looking like what's going on in the stream? Who's here? What 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 they're wearing? What am I wearing? The right thing? All the all this stuff's going on. But I think for me, that also means I can read people really well. Um, you know, really quickly, I meet someone and there's all this data going on. Oh, he might, might drive with this, and he works there, and he has this, you know, his wife, whatever. You know, there's all this stuff going on. And so I, I sort of take all that, and then my brain just sort of calculates a, a sort of like avatar. You know, this is what this person is is like. You know, and that's quite helpful business wise. You get to know people quite quickly, more quickly than I think the average person would, if that makes sense. So other gifts, I think, I think. It's about, I know, maybe this is an age thing more than a gift, but I know, I, I'm one of those people that people say, okay, you're, you're good at everything you do. No, I only do things I'm good at. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, yes. it's finding out, like, really, I'm very, efficiency, I would say, is a huge gift of autism for me. I'm super efficient. My daughter is this way as well. I really don't deal with any sort of um, life clutter, I, I am one of those people who, if I buy a dress, I get rid of a dress. I'm really like economical and efficient sort of that way. I think that's a real gift of, of autism. So so when I say I only do things I'm good at, well, I'm never going to play golf because I would be crap at golf and it would take me so much time that, and I wouldn't enjoy it. It would be complete no. waste. So, so why would you really going to use of my time? Yeah. Yeah. So it's oh, it's fascinating, isn't it? And you're kind of describing the kind of analytical mind, you know, reading people, um, yeah, efficiency. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. We could sit here all day talking about. We really, we really could. Because I think there's there's ADHD um, gifts and there's autism gifts and they're kind of different gifts. I think the ADHD gift is just being able to be so prolific and being able to do a lot, lot of things in a, in a small space of time and and quite effectively as well do them really well you know can i can i can write a training course and and then do loads of business stuff and you know just really do quite a lot of wrote a sixty thousand word book i don't even know how i did that you know that's quite amazing not not, yeah. not everyone does that you know i could do, I'm surprised myself to be honest but that that is the adhd side it's that prolific although my brain jumps around from thing to thing also I can focus like there are times when I really when I and especially with there's a deadline I really need to focus so like with that with my book I wrote it took me like a year to write 30,000 words in two weeks <laughs> the second <laughs> yeah, literally it's like yeah. I don't even know if it was two weeks I think it was like 10 days to write the second 30,000 words because I had the deadline and I had to get it done and I think that's just what we're like you know it's just part of our nature but I, I think that's quite a good thing it yeah. annoys other people if they say, right, your deadline is six weeks from now and we do it in the last four hours before the six-week deadline. <laughs> it's but, just what we you do. You know, and some people really struggle with that, don't they? And they fight against it and beat themselves up. Why can't I just spread it all out? And do you know yeah. what? If it works, it works. Sometimes you've got to go with it, don't yeah. you? To It's working. You really do. Yeah. yeah. You really have to go with it. And I think it's that... Just understanding that that's how your brain works. That's your brain doesn't work um, in a in a piecemeal way. And the reason for me, certainly the reason that I can't do that is because if I because I'm doing so many things all at once, if I say, OK, I've got six weeks to do this, I'll do this little one sixth this week, the second six, you know, I can't do that because 
between doing the first six and the second six, I would lose the plot entirely. And it would take me like an hour, maybe not an hour, but, you know, a good chunk of time. Like, what was I talking about? You know, what was I, where was I even going with this idea? You know, I have to do it all in one piece. I can't do it bits and pieces. It just doesn't work for me. And I think that's why we're like that. We can't do it. But also what people don't realise is that we're not not doing anything. We're thinking you know, we yes. have this project, it's due in six weeks' time. I always say, it's almost like in my head, go back to things in my head, a lot of clutter in my head, clearly. <laughs> I always say there's like a, it's like there's this little boardroom in my head and these men or women, I, I always say, in my head, they're men anyway, where they're just talking about stuff and I can drop in an idea and say, can you just talk about this amongst yourselves for like the next six weeks? And, da, 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 da. and then I can check in and they, they say, oh, we produced this idea for this project. And like, wow, that's amazing. Okay, I need to think about that for a while. And then I check in with them the next week. Oh, yes, yeah, so no, you know, also this piece goes with that piece. So by the time I get to six weeks, but you know, four hours before the deadline, it's a fully formed, complete thing in my head. I have been thinking about it all that time. I might not have done and nothing at all, but I've been thinking about it all that time, so I can sit down and just bash it out, and it's done. That that is an ADHD gift for sure. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. It's it's all happening. It's be, it's processing. It's doing its thing, um, but because it doesn't look like you're doing something, people are, you know, from the outside don't always get it, do they? But no, my partner is is not this way, and he's come to understand this is just what I'm like. That I don't. You know, if I have a huge thing to do, in fact, I sort of think I feed on that deadline driven stuff. I think that fires me up and I think it kind of keeps me going. And I always meet deadlines. I never would never not meet a deadline that's just completely out of my world. I wouldn't yeah. ever do that. But he's so not like this this way. It, I, I think he's finally come to terms with it now. <laughs> yeah. That, that he can trust. He can trust that things are going to happen. That I'm going to do stuff. I'm going to be successful. It's going to be okay. But it took him a while because he's he's really not that way, and it makes him quite anxious, you know, when things aren't not being done in a sort of linear kind of fashion. And neurodivergence, you know, is not linear in any way. So <laughs> non-linear. So, so Kate, just to finish, final thoughts. Then, what advice would you give to somebody that's recently been diagnosed autistic, ADHD, or any other neurodivergence? Be kind to yourself. You know, uh, I I know for myself that when I, certainly when I realised that I was autistic, I, it was like I was standing on top of a very tall hill or mountain looking down on my life, my past life, and it was like this carnage and this just like catastrophe and explosions of fire and half the village was on fire. And I, I could look at my life and I was like, oh my God, what, what did I do? You know, what did I say to people? The, people I hurt in relationships and jobs I messed up and you know I I was and that was a really dark time fortunately it didn't last for very long I to kind of pull myself out of that I could just like I was I was sort of felt like I, I've never been an alcoholic but I understand this is a thing with AA where when you start AA there's a point in time where you have to like write letters of apology to people <laughs> you know and I sort of felt like I needed to do that and I did do a bit of that actually when I realized I was autistic and I don't think it made any difference at all but I felt in myself I needed to yeah. apologize to people and say I'm really sorry I was like I didn't know this about myself and now I do etc but I would just say to be to be really kind to yourself when you have this information um it doesn't feel like a gift when you first understand this about yourself but 
to be kind to yourself, do a lot of reading, do a lot of, I think the most important thing to do when you, when you're an adult, you know, in your adult years and you realize you are neurodivergent is to listen to other neurodivergent people. There's heaps on YouTube and now TikTok, autistic adults and blogs, uh, autistic adults talking and, and adults with ADHD talking about their life experience. And there's podcasts like this one and others. And I think that kind of thing, listening to those things will help you feel not alone and help you feel like you're not, you could not kind of, um, I don't want to say crazy, that's not the right word I'm looking for, but there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you're like quite a vast amount of the population. You know, around, they say around 20% of the of the UK workforce is is neurodivergent in some way. Um, uh, you know, that's a lot, and that, that, but I would say the population is a lot that's going to be higher, and it also doesn't include people who aren't diagnosed. So, you know, there's a lot of us out there, and a lot of us, more and more of us now are talking like this and, and sharing our experiences. So the first thing you should do is, is, is sit down with your phone or your computer and start watching videos and start listening to podcasts because it will help you feel a lot, lot better. That would be my top advice is to, is to know that you're, first of all, be kind to yourself and be really compassionate to yourself. Know, understand that you did not know then what you know now. You didn't know then and you have to forgive yourself for the things that, that happened because you just didn't know. You didn't know what you were like. You didn't know what your brain was like. But again, you know, listening to other, other neurodivergent adults is, is going to be a gift to yourself. Absolutely. Kate, thank you so much for coming along and, and talking about your experience. It's been a real pleasure. We, we, we could talk like four more hours, couldn't we? Really? I know. <laughs> <It's a good laughs> yeah. To talk about. yeah, but um, great. Thanks so much for coming. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.